0: Welcome to the Puck Authority Podcast. My name is Justin Levine, managing editor of the website. And for the very first time, we are on Zoom US. I'm glad to be joined by, once again this week, Armand Klisovich, our beat writer for the Editor Thunder. Armand, thanks for taking the time to join me this evening.
1: Not a problem, Justin. All
0: right. So we are into week two of self isolation and quarantine due to the ongoing spread of COVID 19. How are we doing?
1: Uh, we are barely surviving, but we are surviving.
0: Yeah, this isn't easy by any means, but we're making it. We're living. We're going to get through it. Um, Will sports return? I don't know. So that's where we're going to start. The Major League Baseball discussing the possibility of which that they go through to, to Thanksgiving, but on the side of hockey, they're discussing the idea of going right not just to Halloween, but through to Christmas. How do we feel about that?
1: It's it's going to be interesting, Justin. Um, There's a few factors that I think are definitely going to play into this. Uh, I think free agency is going to be a big one. Um, I think the draft is also going to be um, a huge factor. I think the biggest factor out of all this is going to be what do you do um, not only for next season, but seasons moving on, seeing that if this season were to uh,
0: move into what would be next season. Right. And so the, with that comes a lot to consider. Do the players get time to rest afterwards with their families? Uh, do they immediately hit the gyms and start working out for the next season, which would probably start late January at, at that point? And again, there's a lot of different possibilities here. There's a, I mean, another possibility is that they go right into the playoffs from here. However, players like Connor McDavid today voiced that they don't want to go right into the playoffs. They want to at least have a somewhat normal finish to the season, whether that just be a couple of exhibition games or a few games considered actually real to boost up their their rankings uh, in the standings. How do we feel about going right into the playoffs rather than not?
1: Well, I, I, I was listening to, like you said, to Connor McDavid, and I think I've heard things about maybe having a three to five game regular season play. And I, I think that's a good idea because, as McDavid mentioned, you don't want to go into a rough series like an Edmonton-Calgary series after being off for 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 whatever two two and a half free months. Um, I definitely will do think there will be a regular season. I just don't know how long the regular season will be. I think the longer this this drags on, the the uh, smaller amount of games we'll see at the regu- end of the regular season, and who they play and how
0: their schedule fits into that will be very interesting <laughs> to see. Right. And so I mean, when when you take into account that we're seeing constant cancellations from I mean, really, let's start with the CHL, which includes OHL, QM, JHL, and the WHL, uh, they've now canceled the uh the entirety of their playoffs and uh regular season. Um when and when you take a look at the, the pro ranking league such as NBA, NHL, um when when, and where do you think it hits that this might not be feasible and that the right thing to do might just be to call it off?
1: I don't think the NHL has any rush to um, call off the season. I think there would be most committed season lead right now to finish off. Um, so I don't expect a decision from them till I would say, at the very earliest, mid-May. Um I think the NHL wants to do anything in its power to try to get the rest of the season done.
0: Stanley Cup the at the end of all this. Right, and that's what um, the VP of Operations, Bill Daly, has recently said uh, again and again on Sports at 590, fan sports radio. Um, and, I mean, that being on behalf of Commissioner Gary Bettman, who continues to sort out the matter based on uh, the spread numbers around the country, uh, both here and in the United States. And with that in mind, it brings up some other little tweaks and issues that have come about in the last 48 hours. The NHL draft at the Bell Center of Montreal has now been postponed as well. This includes the NHL awards show in Las Vegas and the draft lottery here in Toronto at Sportsnet Studios. So how do we feel about that? And what, what kind of suggestion do we go based on the fact that the NHL draft is needed and does have to take place somehow?
1: Well, I think, I think you're definitely right that the 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 draft does have to take place. I think the awards I don't think I don't see those happening anytime soon in the future. Um I think those will be pushed back to next year. Um I've heard a few different options for the draft. Um I've heard one as in like in two thousand five during the lockout they did it uh in a private room. Um, which is one option. Um another option is which I don't see this happening. Um Pushing it back and still having it in Montreal. Um, And I could see a smaller gathering, and the third option, which I think is the most feasible option, is a smaller gathering at a hotel in Toronto, which seems the most feasible. Um, Not only do you have media there, but it also kind of keeps that, you know, some people in the loop, maybe not the fans. But I think the most important thing is to keep media at least at the draft uh, after what's gone on over the last couple of months.
0: On the call with Armand Klesovich, our beat writer for the Andronic Thunder, uh, and this episode is proudly sponsored by McLean's Pub, in Montreal. If you are in Montreal once the quarantine ends, please visit uh, McLean's Pub on Peel Street. Um, so yeah, that brings into account again when we talk about uh, the angel draft and the fact that it does have to happen. That, like you said, uh, they've discussed it, a possibility, such as a private room. This happened in 2005 at the uh, during the year of the lockout. It was a hotel, uh, the city was unknown um just based on the circumstances now but um that's one way to go but i think what's most shocking to uh both fans and media alike is the fact that the draft they're talking about relocation and uh that i mean that surprised me and i think that many are being surprised by that because the bell center was made available for this purpose and so if they have to push it back a little bit great but um is it the right call to move to move it to a different city, and uh, is moving it to Toronto uh, in coordination with the draft lottery at a later date uh, a smarter idea as such?
1: I think if you move it to, to Toronto, it's somewhat feasible because, you know, it, it's somewhat of an easy trip for people who are in Montreal who are planning on attending a draft. Um, but I think if you move it outside of Canada, it makes it a lot more harder logistically, maybe not for the media, but for the fans. And I think that's one thing. And I and I've been to the last two drafts in Dallas and Vancouver. And I expect I was expecting Montreal to be one of the bigger crowds um, this year for the draft. So I think if you move it out, not only do you lose that Montreal feel,
0: but you also lose um, the fan base as well. Right. And so I mean, again, this is a troublesome subject because there's not a lot of wiggle room here. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, uh, the spread of the virus will become absolutely crucial to where where the NHL goes next with events like this, because yes, while the while the season is trending down to its finish, they have events that go on after the season in, in order to assure that coming seasons are done right. And while the award show is not the most crucial of them, they're looking to not have it this year, but uh, continue it next year in Las Vegas after the season. Um, so we will be keeping a close eye on, on the draft and the lottery for now, um, because again, that has to happen. Uh some...
1: and I think I think the one thing you have to establish first, Justin, is when are you gonna start the season and when is your end date for the season? Um and then you can coordinate the draft from there. I think we won't hear anything um about the draft until we hear about um hockey NBA Joe
0: resuming season if it does decide to uh keep route. Right. And just the way Adam Silver was very quick to shut down operations due to the virus, Gary Bettman has been working for weeks now. To be the one of the first to bring back a sport uh, in the pro ranks, um, ba- just based on the spread of the virus. But we are seeing extreme numbers, uh, such as in in New York, where they're at an all time high. Uh, but obviously, not, they're they're not as high as places like Italy and Spain. But they're still uh, skyrocketing high. Canada is, I mean, they're at I believe around almost 500 deaths. Um, it's this is not an easy time for anyone and so the best we can do right now is again self-isolate social distance because um that's how we're gonna get pro pro sports back it's just a matter of how do they do it and when do they do it so uh this is something that we'll be keeping an eye on for sure um but i guess to that it's definitely gonna take a toll for seasons to come oh absolutely it's gonna change the way that seasons are shaped uh because uh, I mean, once the season ends, you might have to start a little bit later, then that impacts the coming season and the season after that. This could go on for a while and this could become a mess. And this is totally unprecedented and more people, uh, as per CTV Toronto, have died in Canada from coronavirus than the SARS outbreak back in 2004. Something to be uh, mindful about that we really, really have to social distance here.
1: And also, I saw the NBA, um, they're taking a very different approach to this, um, I saw earlier today. Um, I forget where I saw it, but they were thinking about moving their, um, their season over to a place like Barbados um, and not playing without fans. And if you were to look at the NHL, you really can't do that because not only do you have such a big – like you have a big league like the NBA, but I think the biggest problem the NHL run into is finding
0: ice. Right. And I mean, the same can be said for MLB in that sense. They've canceled their uh, games that were supposed to be happening abroad in the Dominican and et cetera. But I guess um, when you keep in mind the fact that somehow the epicenter of this virus, Wuhan, China, uh, has now lifted the last of its restrictions as the virus has virtually gone there and was done in a matter of four weeks, just like in South Korea, where they are once again back to playing pro sports, uh, that being the Korean baseball organization. Um, they are now, they're in full swing uh, with spring training games just a matter of weeks away. What, how, where do you see the timeline being for at least exhibition games, not just for NHL, but for all sports to kind of start slowly picking up again here in North America?
1: I think, I think the, the real hope right now for everybody is the beginning of May. Um, personally, seeing how this outbreak has been, I don't, I would like, I would think May would be the best option. I think that also, you know, gives the NHL some more time to play with with the draft and everything. But I could see us starting up in June. Um, But like I said, at that time, I don't expect to see a long regular season. I expect to see, you know, maybe a five game um, regular season, and then you go straight into the playoffs. Um, But I would really, I've heard a lot of things about this March Madness format, um, 24 teams, which I think maybe not, may not be the, what we, what the NHL has done, but I think it'd be really cool and engage more fans to watch something like that.
0: Absolutely, it would be, but uh in terms of doing this with the, with the utmost of ease, just given the situation, I've heard talks about 16 teams, and then the rest of them, they're done for the season, Uh then that kind of, that kind of uh, less lessens uh, the craziness and really gets us down to the playoffs and then a shortened first round which continues to be discussed uh, but then a normal length for the remainder of the postseason but again it's a question of do they do they play for example five more games but then jump into playoffs so it's it's something to consider. Um, they're looking at all their options and uh I believe we should be hearing something about that uh when they address the draft and uh the lottery in the in the weeks to come. So I mean I guess with that being said, um let's talk a little bit about happier times when we were at Cool Sharing Arena and for me Kitchener. What's your favorite memory from this season? What's something that's going to stick with you and uh, what are you looking forward to next season?
1: Um, I think my favorite game of this past season uh, has to be Southampton's four-goal four game. Um, just the game itself, the energy inside the arena was, was one of those nights where it was almost pa- it was a, almost a packed house. Um, and I'm interested to see, um, I think, like the shorter teams, like the like ECHL, the OHL, who canceled their season early, I don't think we'll have a problem, you know, coming into the next year. They're off and everything. Um, I do expect the ECHL to start on time um, in early to mid-October um, without any issues.
0: Right. And what's interesting to keep in mind here is that the ECHL, before they closed, they played, I believe it, it was one game without fans, so I'm assuming there may have been more than that. Uh, and I know that was with the Toledo Wooleye, uh, and that was featured by Scott Wheeler on The Athletic. Um, uh, and that, uh, for those who don't know what The Athletic is, is a subscription-based website with some of the best sports writers in the United States and Canada. And um, it's an it's an eerie sight, just like it is to walk out of your house now when you see virtually no one on the street. It's also an eerie sight. Um but yeah, um, do you think that they, there's any chance that they start the season with no fans, or do you think we're in a in a place where once seasons begin again, uh, they wait until all uh, virus precautions have been lifted to go ahead and bring people back?
1: I think because they have such a t- such a lot, they have you know a decent amount of time because they don't start up until October. I do see them starting the season with fans, uh, but if this were to go on, which I don't think it will for that long with COVID-19, I could see them starting off the season without the or possibly delaying the season, um, and possibly maybe moving it out just a touch more, because I don't think the NHL, the ACHL doesn't have to worry about a draft or that kind of stuff, and their free
0: agency really is not open until June, so you do have a lot of time to play with. Right, but what they do have to worry about is expansion this is an interesting subject and something that continues to be touched on by um, the staff at Habsos and the prize and everyone who is um, involved with this uh, part of the move over at the Montreal Canadiens organization is the fact that there might be an ECHL team coming to Toile Riviere either in the, in the next season or so. Uh, Can you speak to your knowledge on the goings on between Montreal and the ECHL at this time?
1: Yeah. Um, the ECHL commissioner did stop by the arena Arena um, late this season, and from what I've from what I've heard, um, there really isn't much talked about next year uh, with Paul Um If anything, possibly the season after, which would be the 21-22 season. Um, but I've also heard rumors that they want to bring Manchester back into the mix um it's also and it doesn't say, it sounds like 12 year and manchester are also at the same point which which i find odd seeing that the 12 year talks have been in talk have
0: been uh in talk for the last six months or so right and expansion is an interesting subject for the echl um as they have now uh found themselves with the thriving organization the newfoundland growlers in st John's, newfoundland um I mean, when you when you look at a team thrive like that, how does that kind of impact um, a decision to continue to do it and do it in a place where these conversations have now been lingering for quite some time?
1: Um, I don't think the affiliation is really um, a big worry for the ECHL. Um, I think one of the best things that's going to come out of this, if Tawarivir were to join, is um, the travel Um you know, when you have teams who are going out to Newfoundland for two games and they're coming back, you could now have these teams, you know, maybe go to Troisvierre and then go to Newfoundland. Um, maybe get all three teams either up there, Brampton, Troisvierre, and Newfoundland, um, which I think would be play be great for not only the fans, um, but also the players who have have a rough trial schedule, as I've learned and Alex
0: Lowe touched on earlier this year. Right. And, uh, again, that's certainly one way to go about it. Um, but I mean, when you, when you look at the fact that the Thunder had kind of an odd last situation with Newfoundland where, uh, they were on their way to Newfoundland, got turned around and then departed from Toronto to do it. I'm thinking maybe the best way for this to happen was be, they start, uh, for example, in, in Toile Riviere, uh, make their way to Brampton, go from, uh, Brampton to Mississauga, where Pearson Airport, which is uh, one of the biggest international airports in the country, is located, and fly up from there to St. John's Newfoundland for a two- or three-game series with the Growlers, as they usually do.
1: Yeah, that's, that's definitely what I, what, what, I, what I start to see. Um, from what I've touched on with the players uh, and people around the organization, what they normally do is they when they play a team like Brampton, they travel out to Montreal and then um, fly from Montreal to Toronto. So that's why I could see a possible fly over there working out a little bit better um,
0: than than, um, doing Brampton. Right, and something that's really important for Montreal, um, and this is really shown by way of the American Hockey League, is distance and the fact that they want to make it easy for their players as easy as uh, remotely possible, uh, having moved their AHL team from St. John's, Newfoundland, where the Growlers now play, to uh laval where the, where the rocket de laval play um that's been a key factor so they can really take the metro from laval and wind up about five minutes away from the bell center and walk right over um with their with their bags and stuff and it's nice because it's also kind of engaging for those who recognize them on the street but well Trois a won't be that easy um Again, it's not exactly far from Montreal and something that uh, can be a quick half hour flight or something, something around there. Um, and that will be to bounce around uh, to the Montreal area, get to Lavelle, or uh, in the rare case, the, a jump right from the ECHL uh, to the NHL, which doesn't happen very much. But I mean hockey's full of surprises and when we talk full of surprises we talk Alexis Lafreniere uh who the Montreal Canadiens are keeping eyes on uh ahead of the 2020 NHL draft what are your thoughts on him and, wh- and where he might wind up with the first overall pick
1: um from right now from what I can see is I I don't right now I can see him definitely ending up in Detroit um but I think it's going to be interesting how this draft lottery is going to go um because we we so we've seen a few strange things um uh, in the lottery the last few years, um especially last year seeing um three of the top uh, original six teams being uh, in the top three.
0: Right. Um, so there's a lot of possibility here. Uh, I was Lafreniere yesterday on on a conference call with a couple of reporters, Scott Wheeler of The Athletic once again among them. Uh, he said that it would be very cool to play for the Ottawa Senators organization, and that's an organization that very desperately needs a boost um, to get those fans in that building to make that revenue and to find a winning hockey team. How do you think uh, such a fit like that would work?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think Ottawa's a team who could definitely use it. Um, they are in the midst of, of a huge rebuild, which I think is definitely going to take a few years. If you look uh, at at the Senators team right now, um, yes, they do agree to Chuck, who they drafted a few years ago. Um, but I think one of their biggest moves they've been mistaken was trading John Gabriel Paggio, and I think he was a big part of the Senators before
0: they traded him over to the Islanders uh, during the trade deadline. Right, and he's uh, another one of their uh, key guys right now, especially um, with this organization uh, having gotten rid of uh, a couple of key players. Um, so that's, uh, that's one way to keep an eye on. But um, again, when you talk about a potential fit in Montreal, he could fit really well, especially with Romanov likely to sign very soon in the, uh, in the next week or so uh, from the KHL and Jesse Alonen who just signed with the Montreal Canadiens today. Um, I mean, do you, again, the lottery is kind of unpredictable, but do you see any way in which this is a feasible land, landing destination for the QMJHL All-Star?
1: I could see it. Um, I think it would be great not only for the fans. It could have been great with the draft being held in Montreal, um, but I think it will definitely be interesting to see where he ends up. I think it's definitely going to be either in Montreal or Ottawa. But it, obviously, like I said, Detroit has the best odds right now for that first overall pick. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him play there. And it would be interesting, especially in a few years, once the is developed to see both two play on the same line.
0: Right. And right behind Lafreniere would be Quinton Byfield of the Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, having followed some OHL stars like Jamie Drysdale, as you have, uh, are there any immediate suggestions that come to mind uh, when you hear Byfield?
1: Another, another strong pick um, in the draft, um, personally, when I look at the Canadians uh, with possibly drafting any, anywhere between six and eight right now, um, a guy I would really like to see him go after is um, Brayden Schneider, uh, a defenseman. Um, I think mean, one of well-stacked uh, up front, um, with a few and coming over and possibly rolling one off as well um, in the coming week. I think it gives gives you guys, gives them some time to develop down in the uh, AHL. And I think not only will Montreal have a strong defensive core, but that Laval defensive core could look really
0: good next year. Right. And one of the most talked about subjects when it comes to Montreal is the goaltending. The goaltending led by Carey Price is always, for the most part, a pretty good show to watch. But what's unpredictable and has been for the last couple of years, uh, given constant switches, constant signings, et cetera, is who's the backup. Who do you think the backup is? Do you think it's and Primo, or do you think that they sign someone between now and next season?
1: You know, I think Montreal hasn't had success um, in free agency if you've looked at the past few years. um, Kincaid really didn't do much for us. Um, Niemi was a disaster the year before. Um, So I'm Montreal, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be surprised if you give a guy like Primu or Lindgren a shot to back up. Um, personally, if I had to choose, I'm giving Lindgren that backup role. I think Primo could use another full year down Laval. Um, but I definitely think it will be a guy within the organization um, next season.
0: This episode is sponsored by McLean's Pub. Uh, once quarantine is over, please go visit McLean's Pub on Peel. Uh, I agree with you there. I mean, we've seen uh, iffy results from Keith Kinke to Auntie Niemi to Al Montoya just over the course of a couple of years. And um, Lindgren does have more experience on the NHL stage at this point than Primo. So where he could use uh, some development, he's a talented kid having come from Northeastern University. Um, but, yeah, it's happened to think, uh, like yourself, that uh, Lindgren might be the solid fit to go behind Carrier Price uh, for next season. Um, and, I mean, the Habs were really pushing for a playoff spot this year. Um, and that's really something that next year they can really look towards actually doing. Um, given that they really had some rough points in this year. Um, what would you like to see change between now and then, just with the roster in general? Is there any one thing that really stands out that they could work on?
1: Like you mentioned, Justin, I think if you look at what Kincaid did um, in our backup situation this year, we really didn't get much much out of it. Um, I know you don't want to play Price, you know, 65 games a year, Um and I think one thing Montreal really has to consider is y- your your chance of win a cup is now. Um, I think if you're going to do with anybody, it's going to be Carey Price. Um, Price is one of the best goaltenders around, and the question is: Is Kaden Primo going to be a guy who, who, once he comes up from Laval, is he going to be the guy and he's going to be right, you know, decent enough to? bring Montreal into a, into a point where they can go deep into the playoffs, I don't think that's going to be – I don't think it's going to happen right away. I still think Green's going to need a year or two um, up in Montreal where they, you could see, you know, a gap where Montreal doesn't make the playoffs or, you know, as they are right now, one of the um, bottom teams in standing.
0: Right, and there is this common thread where players who come too early and Montreal's had their fair share of this – uh they tend not not to perform well because they're just not ready and Bearsman is someone who likes to make spur of the moment moves uh and th- this includes bringing players up early but um but yeah like you i don't think that the, this is the time and i think that um if anything uh promo stays uh down and then from there we kind of uh seek any adjustments uh ha- such as having him move, move up to the nhl stage um, so we'll see what goes on there but who who do you think would be their biggest competitor moving forward?
1: I think you got it, if you look at the Atlantic right now, um, I think Boston maybe has another year, I think I've heard rumors of Tuka Rask possibly retiring so I think that's going to be a team we could definitely catch um, Tampa Bay, another strong team who we saw Tampa be a very strong team in the regular season last year but they didn't do. They they didn't have the first round, which I think was, you know, surprised a lot of people. So I really think what you got to look for is a team in the Atlantic who can pass that first round, which we haven't, which we never, which we didn't see last year. So I think you know a team like I think we have a legend who are on the edge, but I don't think we have any of those teams who are going to make a big push in the Atlantic moving forward. Um, Florida is a team that's growing. Um, they do have didn't have a they're having a great year this year, but I think if you have a Rossi playing the way he did in Columbus, they could be a dangerous team moving forward.
0: Um, yeah, and they're always seen as a uh, top competitor with players like Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and that list goes on. Um, so, I mean, they're cer- there's certainly going to be uh, a fighter team. Uh, and, I mean, just like Toronto, also seen as an opposition with Austin Matthews, uh, Mitch Marner. Uh, where do we see Toronto going uh, next year?
1: I think I think Toronto... It's gonna be a very strong team. Um, I don't. I think we all saw the Babcock uh, experiment didn't work there, and under Sheldon Keith, they've done a lot better. Um, so I do expect them to be a team that's gonna come out of the gate strong next year. Um, one thing that I saw recently, Justin, which I think caught my eye a lot, um, when we look at, you know, coming years, we look at the Seattle expansion draft. I've heard a rumor that that are there's talks about Montreal um exposing price. I personally don 't see that happening, but you know, given prices age and everything, maybe that's when it it becomes premium time in uh, Montreal. What are your thoughts on that
0: uh, I know that Todd, Todd Lewicki, who uh, currently heads the NHL Seattle franchise uh, along with Mitch Garber, uh, a Montreal investor. Um, is i mean they're they're working together and they both have a lot of interest in carry price uh potentially being uh uh goaltender there in the future so absolutely that's that's one way to go And with the, with the owner and and uh a local investor showing that much interest i think uh early indication is they're going to try they're they're definitely going to try uh through the expansion draft to pull him from Montreal. And I mean, if you look back to how easy it was for Vegas uh, to take Flurry from Pittsburgh, uh, and you see how he's succeeded in Nevada playing for the Golden Knights, I think there's no question that uh, this is where their starting point is. Um, and then that, at that time, I mean, yes, Price has always played in Montreal, and yes, his family is there, but I think uh, if there's one place where he can end his career and, and help as an all-star he is, Seattle yeah, is that spot to, to go for.
1: But if you look at Vegas, they had, a, a, and them mean, Marc Andre Fleury. Pittsburgh had Matt Murray to rely on. Um, when Fleury left, I don't know where who Montreal has um, to lean on if Price were to leave.
0: Right. Um, so that's why I think, like you, like you said, Primo's probably the um, the next guy to go to for that matter. Uh, Primo is very talented. He's been highly spoken of uh, from scouts uh, who've seen him play at Northeastern University and those who have been following him this year in Laval. This includes Grant McKegg of recruits.ca, who worked with Brian Wild of Global News, uh, again, who also uh, has high praise for the goaltender. So, I mean, when when you when you look at all that commentary, uh, all kind of cooked up together in a book, it makes him look really really good and uh, and probably someone who's again the future of this organization. And will Bergevin still be the GM then? That it remains to be seen. But I guess before we even look at the uh, sw- significant switches such as that, we look at the coaches. And when you look at the coaches, Claude Julien. Is constantly in question. Towards the end of the season, we heard hashtag fire Julian. What do you think about um, next season? And I mean, should the team start to sink? Do we immediately see Julian get the boot? And uh, who do you think comes next?
1: Oh, I think I think there definitely will be pressure on Bridge on uh, on on Julian early in the season. Um, there are a few names that have popped out. Um, Donald Ducharme, who is one of the assistant coaches. um, and has been a head coach before, um, could be a very good option there. Another good option um, that I've looked at is Gerard Gallant um, coming back to Montreal. He was an assistant a few years ago before um, Vegas hired him um, to be their head coach. Um, So I think Montreal does have some options they can look at, um, either within the organization or or outside of it. So I do think um,
0: he will be on a hot seat if Montreal um, struggles early next season. Right. And what Gallant did with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights was absolutely incredible. He led that team to, I mean, and this is kind of self-given, given these were the early days of the franchise. One of the franchise's uh, best starts because they they only had so many starts, obviously, uh, having been re- uh, just instated into the National Hockey League as the 31st team. Um, so, in an event like that, I don't think it would have hurt to go, to go after Gerard Gallant. And he voiced uh, to a local paper back home that he'd like to be coaching again. And so while he, while he takes uh, some time uh, back home in PEI to kind of rest and figure out his next move, should Julian start to screw up and uh, the chemistry is just not seen as being there anymore, I think that the first person they're going to go to, and I was going to say it before you, I do agree. I think it'll be Gerard Gallant. I don't think you can go wrong there. Um, he's proven his coaching style works. While in Florida, the chemistry just wasn't there with the players, and then they sent him off in the most embarrassing of ways. Uh, what he did in Vegas to make up for it was simply astounding, and I don't think there's any question that uh, Montreal was chasing his tail. Um, showed Julian uh, kind of fall out of the picture, and Julian, whose reputation was, I mean, skyrocketing, having coached the, the Boston Bruins on two different occasions. Um, that's what made him appealing, but um, again, they got. Uh, and I'm, I guess, I, the only thing I'll say to that extent is I'm kind of surprised that you said um, Gallant only for one reason, uh, because I see this in two ways. One would be you get Gallant right away, but the other scenario would be this is you run the rest of the season with one of the, with one of the assistant coaches as your head coach and then get go on. Um, so it's a matter of, I guess timing because Dominic, who Ducharme who uh, is one of the newest assistant coaches to the Habs uh, led a QMJHL franchise to the Memorial cup. Um, and that, I mean, that right there has high praise. Then there's an assistant coach in Kirk Muller for Montreal Canadian himself. Um, so, I guess what I'm asking you here is, which way do you see this going?
1: I think it's going to be very interesting the off season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a team picks up Gallant in the off season, um, with a few coaches possibly seeing their way their way out. So I really think it happens. I I get I get to either option, but I I also wouldn't be surprised if Gallant finds a good job this off season.
0: Uh yeah, I think that's uh absolutely fair to say. So that's be, that'll be something we're absolutely keeping our eyes on. Um but um I guess this real this what this really bodes down to is where did the Habs go from here? They're g I mean, again, they signed Yolonin, they're going after Romanov. Uh is this a team that you see that um despite goaltending uh with Kerry Price leaving the charge, do you think that this is a team that rather than going older, they're they're gonna go younger?
1: No, I think they they definitely are a team that's going to go younger. Um, if you look at a few of their prospects, um, Ryan Poling, he could be here next year. Um, Kale Flurry, Josh Brooks, Um, I still think Romanov is going to take a full year in the NHL um, along with you line in. But I, uh, Victor Mette, another um, young guy, Shea Weber. I do see the team being a strong team. And up front, you've got guys like Max Domi. Brendan Gallagher, um, Lackinen, uh, Philip Deneau. So it's going to be, I think they are a strong team. They're a young team. And I think they definitely, I think if they can do it, they're going to do it with price.
0: Right. And these are a couple names that you saw live at the Broussard Sports Complex training home to the Montreal Canadiens a while back. Uh, was there anyone who stood out to you? And do you think that a name like Josh Brooke, uh really has a better shot at the NHL next season than he really had this season?
1: You know, Brooke, Brooke did look good when I saw him um, before the season began. Um, I did think he needed a little bit more time in the AHL, um, so I do I do expect him to make the jump next year and has definitely see a lot more time in Montreal.
0: And one of the key things about uh, development time in AHL, especially for the Habs more than anyone else, is that another JHL all-star coach in Joel Bouchard is leading that organization. Joel Bouchard also led his team to a Memorial Cup and is, uh, for that reason, is a highly touted coach. Um, and I mean, he he's ended the season having Jasper Emmy on his team uh, as he proved in the end that he just... He simply wasn't ready. It was early. But do you think Hakaniemi starts next season with the team after uh, finishing the the, the season uh, with some help from Bouchard and the Rocket?
1: Oh, I definitely, I definitely see I meet, um starting, starting down in the AHL. Right, I think it's the right move. Um, I think me and you both saw this year, he didn't really have a great sophomore year. Um, in the AHL, I don't know if it was a sophomore slump, but we really didn't see what we saw from him in the first year. I think what we saw in the first year is what we're going to see more of. But I think with the injury he had, I think you start him off from the NHL, get his confidence up, and then bring him up. I think he is the first call-up next year if a guy starts to struggle or um, if he gets injured.
0: Absolutely. And again, he will be joined by a a relatively younger team, Victor Mede, who's just coming back from an ankle injury and who said to Eric Engel's Sportsnet today that he's doing better and that the injury is healing properly. Uh, Romanov, who will be a new taste to the Canadians um again that's depending on whether they start him with the rocket or they bring him right to the nhl to see what they can do to see what he can do then send him down to the rocket so there's a lot of options here this is a very successful franchise they are an original six franchise with a lot of history their history is with winning and winning to them is important for that reason so it's about making making these pieces of the puzzle fit and they're going to they're going to obviously try and do just that so i think it's just a matter of time um and it's just um, we'll see we'll see what the end of the season entails if this season uh, does in fact get to its ending point um, despite a little bit of a halt due to the spread of COVID 19. Um, so I mean, w- with that being said, I guess I'll ask you uh, about Yolandin signing. Uh, he's on now on an entry level contract with the Canadians. What are your immediate thoughts there? Uh, was this a good move? Was this the right move?
1: You know, I, I think it was the right move. Um, as we, I think we saw earlier in the year, he got the call up to Laval, um, but it was right before the NHL halted. So I, I like I've mentioned, he, I think he does start in the NHL. I mean, the AHL next season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, um, knowing Montreal's defensive core, if we see Montreal give him a full year down there. Um, I think you're more likely to see a guy like Romanov playing with Lichfield. Not that I'm saying that's very likely, but I think uh, Romanov would be ahead of the um in that scenario.
0: Right. Romanov just coming over from uh, Moscow, Russia, where the gang- the Gangren Cup was just canceled due to the spread of COVID-19. So this would be a great next step for him. Uh, Beresman is keeping his eye on him. Um, Romanov is a- is a piece of the puzzle who really opened uh, the eyes of his coach, his teammates and scouts in Russia. Um, and they are, uh, again, one of, the, one of the biggest hockey leagues in the world. Um, so this is this is a, a crucial future and a, a crucial year coming up for the Habs. Um, while they may not be in a postseason spot this year, they absolutely have the potential to be there next year. There's no question about it. And while Man Mountain and Shea Weber will continue to snipe uh, when he is healthy next season, Uh, with that and uh, I mean Gallagher he's going to continue to do what he does and come in clutch. Philippe Deneau who's kind of on the spectrum of maybe staying maybe going. What do you see with that? Do you think uh, based on your conversation it seems like you're pretty confident Deneau stays. Is is that in fact the case?
1: No I think he does stay and I think one of the big factors that that I have to prove this is if you're going to start in the a A AHL season you're going to need another center and I think I think Deno does stay,
0: but I do think he's a ship. that does move next year at the deadline. Yeah, uh, again, he came over in the deadline uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks, but I think that yes, once Koganyemi is ready, that they will be looking to ship uh, Danuk out elsewhere, but uh, like you, I'm confident... For that reason, that he begins the season at least for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, his last with the C on his chest. And so uh, we are certainly in for a bright future uh, for this Canadiens franchise. Um, really, with that said, uh, we've gone on every angle of this team. Um, do you have any last minute thoughts um, to kind of bring this episode to a close?
1: No, all I can say, Jesse, is that we're one week closer to hockey.
0: We are one week closer to hockey. Well, again, we don't know when it'll be, but we are going to continue to survive this quarantine. Uh going to continue to social distance. And I mean, people are starting to listen more. So it's only making this easier and it's making the possibilities uh, much more closer uh, than perhaps they were a couple of days ago when people were out on beaches and surrounding themselves in big crowds. So we will continue to monitor the situation of COVID-19, but it seems uh, we could be in for something I'd like to say decently soon, so we'll kind of we'll see how it goes from there, and maybe beginning of May, uh, end of April, we'll have something more official. But of course, we'll continue to podcast. Uh, we'll have Courtney Phillips hopefully on the next episode, uh, our atheronic thunder photographer with you. Um, but other than that, I think this was a, a great way to kick off the podcast on Zoom, and we'll definitely be doing more of these. So uh, with that in mind, our next episode, uh, maybe in the next week or so. Um, with Armand Klisovich, My name is Justin Levine. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Puck Authority Podcast.